All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time, or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. going on everybody welcome back to the infinite fringe right here on truth frequency radio on iHeartRadio, on hackerhameen.podbeam.com and the infinite fringe.podbeam.com apple podcast you know all those places wherever you can hear my voice right now my name is billy ray valentine greetings and blessings to each and every one of you i'm glad you're hanging out with me today on a sunday evening listen uh, full transparency i slept till 11 a.m today it was freaking dope and then I woke up and did nothing for the whole day. <laughs> and after this, after this, I'm going to go park my ass in front of the television, okay? And chill for the rest of the day. I don't care. Judge me if you wish, okay? But I need to chill for a bit, and I'm going to do that today. My wife ordered a giant pizza. Ain't nobody cooking. So we're just going to relax and do absolutely nothing. And uh, you know what? It's a, it's a very uh, special episode today because, you know, I've, I've known this guy. Pretty much that I, that I have as a guest here today for, I don't know, man, I think over a year now. And we talk often and I've had him on America Unplugged. I don't know about, I don't, I, I can't count, may, maybe close to 10 times already. And I've never had him on TFR. And, and I was, I reached out to him. I was like, let me ask him to come on Iconic with me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let, let's do, let's do the fringe. Let's do TFR. Let's do it live. And uh, you guys are familiar because, uh, He's on with Kev Baker on a regular basis. It's my dude, the octopus of global control. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Charlie Robinson is here. How are you? Welcome to your maiden voyage on the Infinite Fringe live on TFR. How you doing, bro? Well, I'm not as good as you, apparently. <laughs> I want to sleep till 11 o'clock. Hey, man, I do too. Pizza. That sounds great, man. We got to do that every now and then to recharge our batteries. Right, right, right. You know, um, that's... Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking, man. Sleep till eleven o'clock. What's keeping you? Just do it. Sure. <laughs> Look, if it if it if it helps 
I mean, considering what we've been going through this year, I think we all get a free pass from time to time to do the things that we need to do to keep ourselves sane, keep ourselves, our bodies healthy, our minds working properly, our spirits up. So listen, if you got to sleep till 11 o'clock or if your thing is you like to go and get your, get your nails done or whatever chills you out and makes you feel reset and fresh, then it's time to treat ourselves right. Considering this has been a year where powers out of our control have treated us very poorly. So it's probably a good thing and a good reminder to people to, to stay, you know, to take care of yourself. You're going to need it. You're going to need all the ammunition and all the armor you can, you can carry to get through the end of this year. It's going to be a wild one. It is going to be a wild one. I agree 100%. And I'm trying, you know, to make the most of the time that I have this summer was you know, it sucked in, in for a lot of reasons, but we made the most of it. You know, I took off and, and, and I went to Florida with the family and we had a freaking blast and we go eat out as much as we can, you know, and try to support local businesses. We're, we're trying to have as much fun as possible. And to be honest, we've we've done some of that, which is cool. It sucks in general because you walk around and see the state of the world, you know, in the state of New York and the state of, you know, what we're dealing with. And, and it's it sucks. You know, you don't. Nobody wants to see that, but um, we're making the most of it. So I encourage everybody else to do the same. And you too, Charlie, you need to sleep. You need to sleep till 11 a.m. I'll day. tell my wife I have a note from Billy Ray Valentine yes. that says I'm allowed to sleep till 11 o'clock tomorrow if I need to. Right. I'll send, I'll send you an, a virtual stamp and you I can show it to her. That. I'm going to need it. Explain <laughs> this one to her. <laughs> I believe it 100%, buddy. Anyway, man, listen, your podcast, right? I, I, I listen to it often. It's a... Uh, it's fantastic. You want to tell the people about it real quick? It's called Macro Aggressions. <laughs> it's a podcast that I started, uh, really started the idea of it in January. It hit the airwaves in March, um, about 52 episodes into it, and I love it. Yeah. It's been a, you know, it's been an, a way to, um, I do two shows a, a week. I do one that's a monologue only. I do one that's an interview where I bring in interesting people and get to talk to them, get their take on things. And it's been it's been really good for me in a variety of ways. It's been good psychologically. I feel I feel good getting this stuff out of my system. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can tell by the name of the show, macroaggressions. I mean, there's a lot of frustration. It's also kind of a play on the term microaggressions, right. which is a ridiculous social justice warrior term, you know, that we're <laughs> we're living in. So I like to make fun of them at the same time. And it's it's an outlet to kind of you know to talk about the state of the world. Uh, what our role in it is, you know, the things that we see, because we see the world a little bit differently. I'm not trying to say that makes us better, but I mean, we just, we have, we have different seats for the show than everybody else does. And so from where I'm sitting in the view I have, I can, I feel like I can see the insanity, um, you know, unfolding right, right in front of my eyes in a way that, that a lot of people don't. And, And that's just something that I think has come from experience or from writing the books that I write about control structures and things like that, that when I start to see, um, you know, what the media is telling us and the images and the videos and the narratives and all of that, um, I get bought, I get bogged down in it. Like, like everyone does, but I also have, have been able to just from experience, be able to pull back a little bit and see this bigger picture and how everything is trying to connect to one another. And when you do that, you feel, or at least I feel an obligation to talk about it, to tell people, 
uh, and I'm not trying to say that I have all the answers far from it, but, but I, but I know that I'm seeing things differently than a lot of people are because I used to not see anything. I used to, I used to not examine it or I would, maybe I was, you know, like a kid sitting too close to the television set where you, you're not really seeing, you're not getting, you think you're watching it, but you're not getting the best view of it. And so now I've moved back or maybe up a little bit back and up so I can see a, a much bigger show and it's alarming to me. And I've been able, you know, I feel like the podcast has been a good uh, outlet for me to not just talk about the things that I I feel, but also to have people that I really like and respect on. And we can just have a conversation about where we are, where we're going, how we should get there, what things we should uh, emphasize, what things we should not worry about, you know, th those sorts of conversations that that go out into the universe and some people hear it and they take that information and they connect with it really well. And other people say, ah, well, it's not for me and, and that's fine too. But, um, I, f you know, I just, the reason for the podcast is kind of the same reason that I wrote my first book, the octopus of global control. It came from a very simple conversation I had with my mom where I was explaining some new conspiracy I had, you know, stumbled upon. And, and she said, this is all, this is all great and really interesting that you've got this information, but what are you going to do with it? And it never crossed my mind that I had to do anything with it. I didn't feel like I had a role in this. I didn't, I was just a, an observer. Um, and after that, I got a little bit more interactive. I wrote the book and now the podcast is out. There's a second book that should be out soon. So I've taken that stance where it's like, okay, I was just a casual observer and that's fine. And most people will be casual observers to this. Right. But if you feel like an ob if you feel like there's something in you or an obligation to get this information out, like I felt, then I started looking for ways to do that. And writing was one and the, the podcast of course is another. And who knows where that goes, where it goes from here. Well, um, I'm glad that you're doing it for one. Um, I remember having a conversation when you were thinking about it. I was like, Hey, you should have a show. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> you certainly did. You're one of the reasons why I have the show. Well, man, um, I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. And uh, alone in the chat, went ahead and dropped the link to your podcast. Everybody here is very familiar with what you do, apparently. Well, I mean, well, they should be. Guys. It's TFR. and You're here quite a I often. love TFR. You know, I come on Kev's show and Kev, yeah. and Kev is, oh, man. You know, <laughs> Kev Baker and I are like... <laughs> separated at birth, you know, <laughs> we connected right away. And I feel the same way with you. You and I start talking, we talk off air, we right, text right. each other. I mean, we, we see things. We, I mean, we, we all have this in common. You, you, me and Kev, we have this in common. We, we see the insanity of this world. We understand how serious it is, but we still have a portion of our personalities that come out that have that just have to laugh at it all, you know, at, at how crazy it is. And it's not to be disrespectful. We're not laughing at people that are hurt by this. We're just laughing that, that we're having to live through this insanity. Right. And, and I think that's healthy. I think that's, I think it's good to, to see, you know, to talk about the, the darkness, but still have the ability to have that sense of humor. When I wrote the octopus book, so much of it is dark. You know, I mean, you're talking about really horrible control structures that right. the government is involved in and scientific uh, communities are involved in and the military and all this stuff. And, and boy, I tell you, it can, it can take a lot out of you, but I had to inject my dark sense of humor into that book <laughs> just to keep people from jumping off the roof. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's so, 
So I feel that way with the podcast too. I feel that way when I, when I talk to you and Kev, we have this respect for what's happening and an understanding of, of what's happening and a, and a take on, on what we see unfolding in front of us. But we also have managed to keep that part of us, that sense of humor that keeps you kind of going because, you know, you got to laugh to keep from crying uh, with some of the things that we've been experiencing. And, and I don't think that that's disrespectful. In fact, I think it's healthy for us to do that. So whenever, whenever I'm on TFR, I have a really positive association with it because every time I'm on here, I'm just laughing, you know, <laughs> talking about crazy things, but I'm also having fun. So yeah. it's the right, you know, it's a good, it's a good home for you guys. Um, and I think Chris and Cherie have done a, a, an amazing job keeping this, this thing going, uh, even through this dark time now more than ever, it's, right. it's important to have this, uh, to have this place where like-minded people can come together and not feel like they're going to get persecuted for being a bit weird or having uncontroversial, you know, uh, uh, untraditional thoughts about things. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of, a you know, it's a good forum for people and, and the, and the chats, you know, the people in the chat room are always interactive and they've got, they've got cool opinions. So I just, I'm a fan. I like it. Good. They're super smart too. Everybody in the chat, they all know their, their oh, stuff. Oh yeah. They're way, yeah, that's another thing too. It's really nice and refreshing to have have the people in the chat, like when when Kevin are doing it. You know, so he's saying, "Oh, so and so is saying this, and so and so is saying that," and you're like, "Oh man, of course they are." I mean, it, they're smart. Whereas in some places, like you know, Twitter or YouTube or some place that sometimes the comments are like really dumb, yeah. and you feel like, "Oh, you know." Um, but in TFR, it seems like there's a, I don't know. It just seems like a good batch of people. And yeah, most to, of these uh, people could be doing a show and, uh, oh, and knock yeah. it out of the park, to be honest with you. You know, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, why am I doing this? But Hey, um, uh, regardless of that, unfortunately, like you, you, you laid out something there that, about, uh, where you're sitting in this show, you know, you where your seats are. And I feel like I'm right next to you, unfortunately. And yeah. I say that like, it's fortunate. Like I get to meet you, you know, and, and Kev Baker, who's sitting next to us too. You know, a shouts to Kev. Kev is a WWE fan, apparently. I just found out not too long ago. Oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I posted. I do another show called The Wednesday Locker Room, and I, I posted something on Twitter to get, you know, people like to get shout outs. So um, I also said, you know, who who's the, the sexiest WWE uh, female in in history, you know, and, and I Kev saw Baker. That. I saw your tweet. Yeah, I know yeah, who yeah. you picked. <laughs> and Kev and Baker chimed you. in, you know. So when I saw that, I was like, Kev, what the hell? <laughs> Are, Are you sure a wrestling, wrestling fan, fan or maybe he was just a fan? Of oh, Stacey no, no, Keaton. no. He said, I'm a wrestling fan. I watch okay, all the time. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> and he says he loves Becky. I mean, um, Sasha Banks, who is a, a, a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Anyway, regardless. So, um, you know, and, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting where you guys sit and I'm seeing the, the way I'm seeing things the way you're seeing them. I mean, each of us have a different, a bit of a different take, but we're looking at the same thing and in the same direction. Like you mentioned, yeah. sometimes I wish I wasn't. I wish I was on the other side somewhere or maybe somewhere in the middle, you know, and, and I know that ultimately I wouldn't want that. You know, I like I, I if I was there, I'd be damn. I want to sit with Charlie. I want to go over there and see what's going on. Like, but it's a tough it's tough in particular during these times to sit yeah. there and, and watch these things unfold and then try to do something about them, which is what we're all doing here. We're trying to do something. But it's not an easy place to come from. Do you find that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me right now. Uh, and maybe you're fully comfortable. I mean, I'm very comfortable with where I am. Let, let, let's say, let me put it that way. But there's a lot of 
joy in the ignorance, even though it's artificial joy. It's not real joy because you're being ignorant. You don't know what's around you. Not to say that everybody's ignorant. You know, I, I was there and I'm still there in, in a large in large part. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. And I do. And and so, you know, when it, we're watching this game, it's like people just say, oh, you're at the game. You're you're in the fan. You're in the stands. So are you pulling for the red team or the blue team? And it's like, man, I'm just sitting here throwing rocks at both of them. I don't like either. Of them. Right. I don't like either of these teams. I'm I'm taunting them and and heckling them and and doing all these things from, you know, from my own perch, not pulling for either team, which is not a good place to be because then everybody else hates you, <laughs> you know, or the yeah. red team hates you, the blue team hates you. They think that, you know, they, if I make a comment, this is what makes me kind of a little, a little crazy. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. When I make a comment on social media about, let's just say Biden, mm. Biden is incapable of, you know, being the president because the guy is incapable of, of ordering oatmeal for breakfast because he's so mentally, uh, challenge. Or <laughs> if I make a comment like that or something like I immediately get, oh, yeah, well, screw you and your Trump fan, your right, Trump right. supporters and all that. It's like, hang on. Who said I'm a Trump supporter? Right. Or if the same thing, if I bash Trump, people are like, get out of here, you lefty. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> hey, me. how about this? How about there's another <laughs> there's a third option? None of the above. Right. I'm on that team. Yeah. And, and so, y- you know, you're in a real minority and. But then again, it gives you ammunition to hate on both sides at the same time, you know, which is kind of, which they need because when you get to where we are, where we've, you've done, you know, a thousand radio shows about this or, and I've written books and done podcasts and gone on other people's shows and talked about this. When you do that long enough and you see, when you really examine what's happening, you realize there is no red team versus blue team. You guys, they're all on the same team. Like after the game, they all go out together and hang out. They take, you know, so in a political standpoint, the red, the Democrats and the Republicans, they pretend like they hate each other and they fight against each other. Yeah, there's some minor policy differences and things like that. But who do they get their money from? They get their money from the same people. Mm-hmm. Who do the, who are the, and the lobbyists, lobbyists don't care. Red team, blue team. They just want, you have a vote. I want your vote. I don't care. So the lobbyists don't care which team supports their agenda. They've got the money to make that happen. So, and and what happens when Congress is out of session, go to Bighorn and Palm desert and see who's playing golf together. They're all playing golf together. Right. You know what I mean? They're not there. So this, you like pro wrestling. This is pro wrestling for adults that for, for, political adults, you know, people that are way into politics, what we see on our nightly news is a form of professional wrestling. It's scripted. Yeah. It's got bad guys and good guys. There's <laughs> plot lines. They constantly change. And every, every now and then somebody pulls out a chair and bashes the guy, the other guy over there. <laughs> it's Ooh, that guy must really hate that guy. It's like, well, maybe Nancy Pelosi tear, tears up papers behind Donald Trump, you know, tears up papers behind Donald Trump and gives him the fake little clap. Oh, yeah. Oh, Nancy, you're you're getting him. <laughs> and then what do they do? They go backstage and take their money from Citibank, right. who's given it to both sides, you know? So I've I'm in a small minority with with a, a lot, you know, with with people a, a very select group of people, probably the people that listen to shows like this. <laughs> I'm in a select group of people that don't, that don't like either side. Right. And I don't have a problem saying it, but there's an assumption made that if I'm attacking one, one side, that it means I must be from the other side. Oh, and I, I, I get it. I understand yeah. why people make that assumption. Cause a lot of times it is, but, but in my particular case, I just, 
it's a systemic problem. So I have a problem with the system and I don't really care. The players come and go, you know, the players on these teams come and go, but, but the ownership of the teams, that's where the real problem is. If we're going to make, you know, sports comparisons and watching this from the stands I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the league itself or the owners of the league that, that they're the ones that control this. And yeah, you're going to, you can hate on the players and you can hate Nancy Pelosi and God knows she's hateable, but but she'll she'll be replaced by somebody else who's just as bad and right. just as corrupted and just as dirty as, as she is. And Mitch McConnell, the same thing. And and really, you know, what am I complaining about? I'm complaining about the fact that you get a guy like Joe Biden or Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi that have been in politics almost as long as I've been alive. You know, and that to me, I think, is a huge problem, because when you do when you have a system that does that, that allows that maybe even encourages it to a certain extent. You, you, you wind up with people that that owe favors to you know their political their their financial backers or their political, you know, uh, somebody that brought them into the brought them into politics or somebody that put them on some House Intelligence Committee, you know, or something like that. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of questionable loyalty amongst these people. So I I find it impossible for me to pull like to to pull for one side versus the other. Because they're 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 both doing the same thing. They're both taking money from dirty industries. Uh, they're both telling you one thing and doing another thing. They're both voting totally differently than the way they tell you that they're going to vote or the way they promised you they're going to vote when they get elected. So, yeah, I just have a problem with the hypocrisy of it all. And if you want to, you know, and I don't think it's a red versus blue thing. I think it's a purple thing. You know, yeah. these things are mixed together. It's it's all one big team. And um, and I don't have a problem with criticizing that team, but but it doesn't make me a whole lot of friends with everybody else that is in that bipolar world of Republican Democrat. It it makes me an enemy of both of them, yeah. <laughs> really, which I'm fine with. I don't I don't care, but that's where I am. And so that's where I, I come at things. I'm also very, you know, uh, I'm kind of a smart ass, you know, so I like to, <laughs> you know, I like to antagonize the people a little bit because they deserve it. And I like to point out their hypocrisies and I like to make funny jokes at their expense and things like that. Not because I'm a mean person, but because they are pathological liars that are and grifters and con artists. And I don't have a problem calling those people out. I would never do something like that to like a single mom who's working two jobs. I would never just out of nowhere be mean to somebody. Right. But I don't have a problem doing that to the politicians because I feel like they waive their right to anybody respecting them based on just watching their actions. I mean, respect is earned. And I don't feel like there are many people in politics that have earned respect. I will say Ron Paul has. Two years in a row, I've been a speaker at Anorcapulco when Ron Paul was there. And you want to know what the chances are that you get a an 80-year-old white guy who's been a Republican in Congress for two decades to go to an anarchist convention and give speeches. That right there should get him booed off stage, but not when you're Ron Paul. Yeah. So every now and then there's somebody that has morals and integrity and wants to do what's right. And the people respect that and they connect with that and they see that and they go, that's an authentic human being right there. I like that. So he gets standing ovations at an Arcapulco because these people realize that he's genuine. So it's not that every single politician is a lying scumbag. It's just that most of them are. And every now and then you get the exception like Dr. Paul 
And that guy is celebrated like he's a hero for what? For saying logical, common sense things and being a decent human being and being consistent in his views. And you might disagree with him, but you can't argue with the fact that his consistency has always been there. He's been about certain things. He's made it his his, you know, his priority while he was in in Congress. And I just I just think that there are very few of him. If 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 politics was filled with a bunch of Ron Pauls, I'd have a different view on this. I wouldn't be as aggressive w- with them as I am. But unfortunately, I think we all know that's not the case. Right. Uh, Ron Paul is the only person I've ever voted for. And I disagree yeah. with him on some things, but uh, he is honest, at least. At least I feel that he's honest. Right. And um, yeah. I disagree with him on health care big time, you know, um, personally. But there's a couple of, and you know, there's a couple of other things that I disagree with him about. But for the most part, he's the only guy I've ever voted for. So I get where you're coming from 100%. I want to ask you a couple of questions about the election. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about um, race relations here in the United States and uh, throughout the world. And I also want to ask you about the deep state, the new world order. And I think I'll do all of those on the other side because we only have a minute left here. And it went by quicker than a hiccup. That's just the way things are. Mr. Robinson, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, you can find my podcast on Apple, uh, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, and also on David Icke's platform called Iconic. And uh, my book is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble if you like the paperback version. If you like the digital version, you can get that from my website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. Just donate $10 or more on PayPal. I'll send you a PDF version and an EPUB version for e-readers. And then I encourage you to uh, read it, share it with your friends and family. I, t- I don't care. Just get the information out there. It's more more important than than selling copies of the books because it, I feel like the books are helpful to get through to some people. Some people know the information that's out. I mean, they 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 get it already. But there's a there's a percentage of people that that need to see it written down in a book form for it to be real to them. And so buy that book and send it to your friends and family. If they're, if you're having a hard time getting through to them, let me be the bad guy. I'll do it. I don't have a problem with it. (laughs) Mr. Charlie Robinson, we will see you on the other side. We will shout out the chat. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Billy Ray Valentine. This is the infinite fringe live on truth frequency radio. Make sure um, you tune in for the other half of the broadcast. If you want to email me, the infinite fringe at gmail.com. I promise you I will get to it. I won't get to it right away, but I promise you that I will. Okay. I have, um, I suck at getting back at people with emails, but I do it. It's just, I don't do it right away. Uh, so hit me up if you need me. I'm on Twitter at Oban when you know me, my name is Billy Ray Valentine's blessings. See you guys soon. This one's for Charlie.
said mrs robinson okay but uh <laughs> i thought it was appropriate i know it's mr robinson is here with us ladies and gentlemen mr charlie robinson the octopus of global control we're going to get to him in just a sec right now i want to shout out the chat ladies and gentlemen here on sunday with me you could be anywhere else in the world but you're here with me and i very much appreciate it all right sophia the bot what is going on bammy Bammy, you struck out with Sophia. I saw it, and uh, it it was it was harsh. It, it was it was brutal, but uh, you will live another day. What is up, Bammy? Good to see you, Alan Holman. Greetings and blessings to you. Good to see you, buddy. Cold brews. Oh uh, hell yeah! There is a uh, WWE pay per view on tonight. It's probably gonna be god awful. Just just to let you know, Liz the Iron Maiden. Gre- greetings and blessings to you. I'm glad you're here. Good to see you. She's all over the place, man. What a trooper. I'm going to bring you on the show. You and me, Liz, we're going to do a show together. You don't know it yet, but it's going to happen. Gammy, what is going on? What's up, Wolfie? Good to see you, buddy. Hope you're well. Alone. Greetings and blessings to you. I'm glad you're here. I'm good, good, good to see you. Very happy you're here. Oh, what's, oh my God. Check this out. Q-Doodoo is back. One of my favorites. I love Q-Doo. Q-Doodoo, drop a doodoo, whatever you're calling yourself. What is going on? How are you? Greetings and blessings to you. I'm glad you are here. Bill 13 is here. What's up, Bill? Mark 13 is here. What's up, Mark? How you doing? Uh, what is this? A side of common sense. I'll take a side of that. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Greetings and blessings to you. I'll take a, a little bit of common sense. Canberra's here. Oh, my God. What's up, Canberra? Thank you for checking me out. Thank you for coming over here and spending a little bit of time with the kid. Blessings and greetings to you. Who else we got? Lawrence. How are you? Good to see you, Lawrence. Thank you for hanging out. I appreciate it. We got Gentle Wolverine. Good Lord, I've never seen one of those. Um, a very cool, a gentle Wolverine. How are you? Johnny Angel is here. What's going on, buddy? My favorite wrestler. Uh, my favorite wrestling name in the chat, I should say. How are you, buddy? And uh, Grateful Traveler is also here. What's up? How is everybody doing? I'm glad you guys are here. Thank you for joining me. Mr. Charlie Robinson is here with us today. The octopus of global control. Charlie Robinson, say what's up to the people, man. What's going on, chat room people? You maniacs out there. <laughs> Always a good time on TFR. You know, it's it's just nicer to have like an educated, under you know, a, a well-read, a, you know, alternative thinking audience out there. Just makes things, I don't know, a little bit more interesting. You can have deeper conversations. You can get it get right to the the heart of everything without having to explain to everybody how how this whole thing works. I mean, you guys are TFR listeners, whether it's, you know, where you go on Kev's show or Don Jeffrey's show or, or here with you. They're, they just, I mean, there are, they're like advanced in the sense that um, you're, you're listening to alternative topics. So you have a deeper understanding of these things. You don't have to start at page one with them. You know, you can just jump right into the insanity of it all. You can talk about the new world order with them and not have them roll their eyes and go, get out of here with that nonsense, you tinfoil <laughs> hat wearing Alex Jones listening to conspiracy theorists. There's, if there was a new world order, I would know about it. I mean, I watched msnbc right i would know all about it i would have joe scarborough would have told me about it with mika brzezinski in the morning right they would have told me about the new world order i mean not the part that mika's 
dad was run, you know, was involved in it. But besides that, you know, they'd lay out the plan for us, right? Well, if right? anybody would know, it's Mika, right? <laughs> she no she kidding. would have to know. But you know what? Um, uh, shouts to a friendly user. I didn't see you. My my apologies. Shouts to you. Uh, I see you in the chat now. Um, but let's talk about that, right? You talked about the New World Order just a bit there. And, um, yeah. and uh, you know, you said you're not going to hear it on MSNBC or on CNN or on Fox, you know, and uh, turns out you kind of do now. Maybe. I'm not sure. They talk about the deep state on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, okay, they're talking about the deep state. Why, why did they make this public? You know, why? Uh, and the, the, the whole concept of the deep state is a government within a government. Mm-hmm. Like a secret government, you know, the, the real controllers. So that's kind of lifting the veil just a little bit, letting people know that the government that you vote for isn't exactly the government that runs things. You know, there's a little bit of that. But I am uh, trying to figure out, I thought I had it figure out, figured out, like I told you before. But um, I, I'm trying to figure out what the new world order is. What the, is there an Illuminati? Meaning, like, is there a group of people? You know, they talk about the Council of 13, mm-hmm. you know, and the round table that, that, are, that they decide what's going to go down. You know, the, the 13 Illuminati families and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get the mainstream explanation of the deep state, meaning, you know, the government within a government, they're people, but they're establishment people, swamp dwellers. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump is going to clear that for us, clear that up for yeah. us. He's done a really good job at clearing that up for us in the last four years, uh, you know, but... Uh, I don't mean that, by the way, just to let you guys know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, so I, I am having a hard time trying to figure this out in my brain. I think about it often, and, and I want to know your feelings on it. What do you think this is? What is the new world order in 2020? Well, so the deep state slash permanent. So Dale, Peter Dale Scott turned, coined that phrase, the deep state. And you could also call it the permanent state. And what that is, is it's not, it's not, all a government inside the government it's it's the it's the p- people in government that don't change when the administration changes don't don't always change so uh, we're talking about the people that are the head of like the intelligence agencies and, and 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 groups like that those are sort of what they call the deep state kind of the players that don't move but that's not the new world order i mean it's a part but that's a low that's lower level you talk about the people that are really running this planet it's the it's the bloodline banking families that have been around for hundreds of years. And when you hear, you know, terms like blue bloods and aristocracy and the bloodlines and stuff like that, I mean, some of that goes back really far. And it's it's easy to dismiss it if you're you know, if you kind of casually hear about it, like bloodlines, who cares or blue bloods or what does that mean? But it matters to them. There's some reason why it matters to them. It might you know, there's all kinds of stories that, you know, like, you know, how deep, how, how crazy do you want to go? You know? So it's like, are these Anunnaki bloodline hybrids and, and stuff like that? Who knows? I mean, I, I'm not qualified to answer whether that's actually happening. <laughs> well, we, we but, can, we can speculate, Charlie. We can sure. definitely do that. Go ahead. For sure. We can, but, but, but where we don't need to speculate is these powerful multi-generational families that have banking ties, Rockefellers, Rothschilds, stuff like that. These people are in very DuPonts and, you know, and the, the Vanderbilts and these families that have been around for a while, they're not limited to the United States. In fact, I'd say many of them are from Europe, but they, 
they have a disproportionate amount of control. And frankly, if you've heard of somebody, you know, if it's like a household name, there's a pretty good chance that they're probably not involved in it because, or, or not as, you know, they're not the top of the pyramid, so to speak, because the people that are, that are, you know, the families and groups that are running this, it's in their best interest to sort of remain in the shadows and not really make themselves uh, known. And of course people say, well, that's very convenient, right? So you, it's being run by a bunch of people that are in the shadows. You don't know who they are. Well, you can, you could sort of piece it together as to who they are as far as the, the families, but it gets, it gets very messy when you're starting to talk about how those families then running and controlling banking empires then set up multinational companies or companies through uh, banking ha uh, tax havens and Cayman Islands and Luxembourg and Jersey and Bermuda and all these places in Switzerland. And, and, and so it gets very murky when you're talking about corporate shell games and things like that. So they've done a very good job of disguising themselves, but the influence is still there. You feel it when you, we, you feel it when you realize that the purchasing power of the United States dollar has lost 96 to 98% of its value over the last hundred years. And you go, that's really weird. Well, that's a, that's, that's a, a byproduct of the system. Well, who created the system? Well, the banking families created the system and they did that so that they could control you, you know, so it becomes, you know, there's examples of it, but you got to go back a little ways to, uh, to see. So it's like who, who created the federal reserve. And then you read, um, you know, you, you read the, the creature from Jekyll Island and you go, oh, my God, it was, you know, they had this secret trip to Jekyll Island, Georgia, and they came together, all these bankers, and they created so, the Federal Reserve. G. And that's Edward one Griffin, aspect. right? Yeah, G. Edward Griffin. He's coming I on the a, fringe soon, just, just letting you guys oh, know. Oh, he's a great dude. I had a long conversation with him in the airport in Mexico awesome. City. We were Continue. catching a flight together. And Sorry I, I, I interrupted sat there. you, buddy. Well, I just sat there and I, just, I felt b bad for him because I just... <laughs> asked him a million questions and the poor guy couldn't get away from me but uh, but he's a good dude and and I and he spoke there at the event at a Narcapulco and you know it's the, so he talks about this matter of factly like this is just how it was and you you read that book and you go why am I not why why have I not been taught this in history class like we we talked about a bunch of stuff that's really not that important in history but here's something that is important and we didn't talk about it and and you start to understand that well, the, there's a reason for that, because the education system is set up in a way that they don't really want you to be educated about everything, especially the way banking works. And you go, well, well, then why does the education system set up that way? You go, well, because the Rockefellers and the Carnegie started the education system, and they're involved also part of this group. And so they create the education system and make sure that you learn a very specific array of topics, but you don't get off of that. You don't get into really how banking works and compound interest and all these things. They don't, they never tell you that because they don't want you to know. And so, you know, it, it becomes this, this, uh, this trap that most of us are in where we go through life and we feel like we're getting, we go to school, we get educated, feel like we're, we're we have a, an understanding of how the world works. We get out in the real world and, and, and go on our lives and, and it never crosses our mind that maybe what we were taught in school about how the world really works is is a total lie. Right. But who would why would they teach us lies? Well, they they would lie to us about that because they don't want you to figure out what's really happening. And part so that's where people you can pull on a variety of threads and get your get yourself into this rabbit hole. You know, if 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 banking is what does it for you, 
um, maybe then maybe that'll get your attention. Maybe it's politics, you know, maybe it's who's going to win this presidential election. So whatever it is, gets you interested in, in these sorts of uh, topics. I say, good, get involved, read about banking. I think banking is the most dangerous tentacle that I wrote about of the eight tentacles in, in my octopus book. Right. And that leads you back to banking families and right, what so they've done. Lies in, by in omission, right? That's what they yep. do. Um, we get taught things that are true. We just don't get taught the end. We just, you know, they, they leave out half of it for some reason, yep. or maybe more than half. And uh, then we end up with a problem. Um, yep. Time is, is running a bit short, and I want to get, a, I wanna get a, a lot of things in in about 10 minutes. So I may, <laughs> I may jump in from time to time, Charlie. Please do. Um, I, do you think the presidential election is coming up in November, right? Uh, here in the United States, it's Joe Biden versus uh, Donald Trump. We are going to hell in a handbasket no matter who wins this thing. I'm going to tell you that now, and it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Um, but here we are. Do you think, right, because everybody's been reincorporated into the left-right paradigm, right? Everybody's like, you know, we can make a change if I vote for whomever I vote for. Do you right. think elections are legit? Do you think uh, the president is selected or we elected? Or do you think that the people are manipulated to make that happen? What do you think? I think that voting is an illusion. I okay. think that it doesn't matter who you vote for. I think if nobody went to the polls, they'd do what they've been doing with the coronavirus tests. For the, some of the people, they're like, I went in the, the waiting room, signed up, put my name on it, got bored after 45 minutes, had to go somewhere else, so I left. And then two days later, I get the results and they say you're positive for corona. I didn't take the test. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's all <laughs> yeah. those people doing, doing, having that. I think if everybody didn't vote, they'd say, and the winner is so-and-so. And you're like, but nobody voted. Right. Well, because it's selected. I don't think that we have a say in this. I, I, I subscribe to the philosophy of, you know, if voting changed anything, it would be illegal. I really do. Um, I know that's cynical. I know that sounds nah, bad. I mean, my, no, you but, know what? I, I don't even think it's cynical personally. I know a lot of people would, but I don't think so. I think it's staring reality in the face personally. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't, I don't think that... Um, I mean, it, it, it gives us the illusion that we're participating, and, and I think they have to keep it. They have to keep that because it makes it look like the people have a say in it. But do the people really have a say in it with Citizens United, which allowed unlimited campaign contributions by corporations? You know, when Mitt Romney talked about, you know, corporations are people too, my friend. <laughs> you know, it, so so I'm going to vote, and, and, and but, but Monsanto gets to buy a hundred lobbyists to change, you know, the rules and regulations for what, so what difference does it make who I vote for? If I vote for the red guy or the blue guy, uh, Monsanto's still going to have all their lobbyists work on the, the, whoever gets in there to make them do what they want them to do because they also gave them campaign contributions like Goldman Sachs does to both sides. Why would you, why would, why would Goldman Sachs bet on one horse when they could bet on two horses and be assured to win? You know, so I don't think that my vote. So let's say that let's say that voting is legit. Let's just say that it, it counts and it matters 100 percent. and Everybody's vote gets tallied, which it doesn't. And they they all get put together and we come up with the president. Big deal. 
because whatever wh- whoever you pick still has to deal with all the lobbyists yeah. and has to deal with the corporate money and took corporate money themselves and has four years of an agenda. And hey, remember who put you in office, buddy? Remember who gave you when you were coming up as a senator? We financed your campaign and now you're the president. You owe us. You know, what did Barack Obama do? Gave away everything to the healthcare industry. Why? Because they put him in power. So did the bankers. So you can vote for Barack Obama because he's a better candidate than, you know, whoever else is out there. But it doesn't really matter in the end, because once they become president, they're not yours anymore. They're not your guy anymore. They're Goldman Sachs's guy. Right. And so they're going to do what that what that agenda wants them to do. So So voting based on that premise, Charlie. Right. Based on that. November's coming up. Presidents are selected, not elected. Do you think Joe Biden gets a chance at being selected? Because uh, most people think it's going to be a runaway deal with Donald Trump. I personally think that it's going to be a very, very, very close election. And uh, it has to be close because whomever loses, quote unquote, is going to dispute the election as illegal or as it being stolen from them. Whether Trump wins or Trump loses, whether Biden wins or Biden loses. They also injected uh, Kamala Harris, who is, you know, doesn't have a good reputation, even among Democrats. So people would say, okay, this is an awful pick, but is it really an awful pick? You know, looking at today's climate, let's see what what just happened in Wisconsin. And you see the marches going on out there, and it's black people and white people marching together because they say that... uh, Racism is running rampant. I don't uh, 100% agree with that. But that's the perception. That's yeah. the perception that's being you know, displayed in front of the American people. Based on that, I would think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have, uh, have a little bit more than what people are giving them credit for. But uh, you tell me, what do you think? Well, I think that studies have been shown that prove that, that the candidate with the most energy around their campaign wins. And it doesn't have to be positive energy either. It can be negative energy. It could be that everybody just, you know, there's a big portion that people just hate that. So who is that? Is that That's Donald Trump. Love him, hate him, whatever. There's way more energy around him than Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been in his basement for the last six months. He doesn't go around. When he speaks, he butchers the English language. He talks about <laughs> hairy legs. He talks about corn pop. He's the, 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 the world, the states, the United States have been rioting for the last, I don't know, three months now. Defund the police, get rid of the police, F the police, all cops are bastards. You know, all that, the Democrats go out and pick their vice president, attorney general, California, (laughs) top cop. Why? (laughs) What are you doing? Why would you do that? And not to mention she got kneecapped by Tulsi in the debates. With facts, she didn't insult her in a, you know, she wasn't hitting below the belt. She just po- accurately pointed out Kamala Harris's awful record yeah. in California. And that ended her presidential career so, or run her in, this, bid, yeah. in this term. So why did you go back to the well and pick her? Let, let you know me, what I mean? Let, let me give you my, my view Please on do. This. Please explain it to me because I am having a hard time <laughs> understanding it. Hey, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, man. But, I don't um, care. I'm looking for a reasonable explanation at this point. You know, Tulsi Gabbard chopped her up, right? Made her look really bad. Mm-hmm. Who remembers that at this point besides us and some political yeah, pundits? Me. Right? Does the American public remember that? Do they care? 
Right. It's identity That's politics. They don't care. Right. It's identity politics. So they look at Kamala and she's a female and she's African-American and they want to support her to show, you know, that first off, um, African-American and women are going to be more inclined to vote for her because she is African-American and because she is a woman, not necessarily because anything she's done. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the general American public that isn't really seeped in politics. It's all perception. It's all emotion. That's what's going on here. Right. So there's that. I think she injected some uh, much needed energy into Joe Biden's campaign. It's still not Donald Trump, but I think she, she played that part and did that. And I think with everything going on now, there's so many people that want to prove that they're not racist. Yeah. That they will vote for a Kamala Harris. That's just what I'm thinking now. Tell me something. Well, that, and that might be true, but she's so on the fringe where people are like begrudgingly accepting her. Whereas Michelle Obama, say what you will about her, but Michelle Obama has a way more likable personality. Oh, she's incredibly uh, personality. Right. Yeah. She would have, she would have really injected some, some life into She would have destroyed Donald Trump, bro. If, she if, would if, have if elections were real own. anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. But- Kamala Harris, I mean, I, look, I, I'm not, like I said at the beginning, I don't like either team. This is, this is, a, this is, a, this is a, a, a matchup that heads we lose, tails we lose. Because yeah. Donald Trump has his agenda. Joe Biden has his agenda. Um, I don't like either of them. I'm not in favor of, of, you know, where they get their money or where their loyalties lay. Um, but just from a, be, trying to be as objective as possible— I see way more energy around Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. I also think that there is a it's an impossible to quantify number of people that will not publicly say that they're voting for him, but who will go in that voting booth and will vote for him, not because they like him, but just because he's he's not the other side. He's not the left. And I used to be I used to be more left than than I am like in the sort of uh, you know out of the mix right, right now. I used to think that the Democrats were more compassionate and didn't want war and were, you know, sort of like helping out the, the less fortunate and everything. And I, and that's what, how I kind of felt. Um, but I don't feel that way at all anymore. I think people have watched what the Democrats have done over the last four years and are repulsed by them. Like they're, 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 you know, they're bickering. And I mean, anyway, you've had four years, Donald Trump beat you. It was devastating. You've had four years to figure out your strategy, to get it all right. We're going to make sure this never happens again. And the best you can come up with is a brain-dead Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I mean, do you are you trying to lose? I get That's it, man. My it's, question. it's like I they're trying to throw question. the election. I understand 100%. Are you trying to lose? Yeah, or go. do you have a trick up your sleeve that we don't know about yet, which is possible? All I right, just Charlie, we got, we got two minutes left. Thank you for coming on. Uh, excellent conversation. I had a blast. Q Dudu Kamala, top cop Harris, he calls her. Johnny Angel says Trump or Russia, if you're listening. <laughs> Bam <laughs> says uh, if Biden wins, he dies. And President Kamala Harris, that's very, very, very possible. And, very possible. Uh, you know, th- that's, that's the thing here, man. Uh, we're screwed either way. We're up the creek without a paddle. And uh, let's hope for the best. And we're going to be here covering all that stuff. Uh, on top of some UFO stuff and uh, some esoteric stuff too, because nice. what the hell, right? Charlie Robinson, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio for my podcast, Macro Aggressions. Um, Billy Ray Valentine has been a, a guest on the show as well. You can find <laughs> it on YouTube and Iconic. 
And you can check me out or email me through my website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. All right, man. Beautiful. Thank you, Charlie. Hold on for a second while we sign off. I want to say what's up to everybody in the chat that tuned in today to listen to Mr. Robinson talk his stuff. And uh, make sure you go over there and, uh, you know, follow whatever he's doing. It's always an interesting listen. Very entertaining. Very good. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. This is The Infinite Fringe. Make sure you check us, check us over on Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review. And if you don't like the show, send it to somebody you hate and tell them, you know, to uh, give it a, hard, a five-star review or something like that. You know what I mean? Help out the cause. Um, also, we're over on Iconic on America Unplugged. Mr. Robinson is over on Iconic with me quite often, and he has his own show. Well, you can catch his podcast, the video version of it on Iconic, so make sure you go check that. And he's over on America Unplugged quite often. We're talking about a bunch of stuff over there. We have a lot of fun. Um, And that's it. We will see you guys next week, man. Uh, I'm excited about the rest of my evening. I'm going to go sit down and watch 90 Day Fiance. Don't judge me. Okay? And and have, you know, some pizza. And my dog is currently chewing on my foot. That's the way things go down. (laughs) It is the infinite fringe, guys. I love you guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Robinson. Thank you so much, buddy. Michael, you're going to watch Michael? <laughs>